Welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by Eric Lawson. And Hi, Richard. guys. Hello, and Richard Trejo. Hey, everyone. Oh, and uh, so you guys are working on Holly Hatchet, which is an anthology or part of an anthology in Body Count. That's right. That's right. Uh, just started a couple of weeks ago, so I guess I'll hand that off to Richard and kind of he can kind of let you guys know how that's been going. I mean, I wrote the script, but he's he's directing it. He's uh, the general on the field, as it were, for that. Yeah, we started um, last, I believe it was last Saturday, um, shooting it. And it's um, it's it's really good because like the, it was a good way to start it because it's the intro piece. And, and um, the intro is very very uh it's like it, it's it's actiony if you will like everything is kind of like it just it just starts from the get-go so um shooting it like the way that i always envisioned it like when i read the script is like vampires in general i'm a massive fan of like oh, vampires nice. and um and what i wanted to do is introduce like the various like looks of like different types of like vampire movies so like the first initial look that i wanted for like to the beginning was like this like gritty um almost like clinical look and um and so like we we accomplished that like with this first stuff that we shot so i'm excited to definitely get back we start shooting again on the 17th and i'm excited to get back in there and kind of like form the the rest of the look that like what i envisioned which is like just embracing like you know various you know uh looks of of previous like vampire films like I'm a massive fan of like the lost boys. I love that cool, you know, warm look. And then um, I also love like the dead look of like 30 days of night, like how everything is just robbed of color. Everything is just like, it's, it's mostly just about like the blood popping, Mm -hmm. which is like, um, which those, those two in particular are two of like my favorite um, vampire flicks and that was one of the, the last like uh, uh, like scary vampire movies i think you know because they really went into the more romantic side of the vampires and then 30 days a night really took it back to you know being like a, a horror movie i agree yeah I agree completely yeah 30 days a night is like is is to me is like is so is a is an extremely scary movie that's like one of the I don't get scared by a lot of movies these days, just, you know, especially like horror films. I watched so many of them and I've been in the horror business now for such a, for such a good amount of time that like now it's, it's hard to, it's hard to scare me. So I think what, what I try and, um, what I try and do is for scares is I try to like embrace like a look of like, you know, things that scared us in our past because I feel like those are the things that'll like that stick in my brain that help me get to like, you know, a place where I can be like immersed enough to like get frightened. So that's what we're definitely trying to accomplish or what I'm trying to accomplish with the, with the look of this movie. So um, the first, yeah, the first day we shot uh, looks great. It, it's definitely what, right on par with what, what I envision <laughs> and a great script too. That's, that's uh, thank you. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll actually just piggyback on what Richard said too. And, um, 30 days of night was definitely a huge influence on a story that I wanted to tell about, um, vampires slowly kind of descending onto a town and kind of, you know, 
in that film, knocking out the power and going basically like house to house, building to building. And that's something that um, the longer version of the script that I wrote, I really wanted to incorporate. And also um, another aspect is um, Ash versus Evil Dead. I really oh, yeah, needed yeah. Um, kind of a, a female badass character um, that they kind of find their tools and their weapons along the way. But I wanted that just rapid fire humor. Um, you're in danger, but you're still, uh, you have enough time to be snarky to the people that you're, the, the band you're with is getting smaller and smaller and smaller of the survivors, but you still have time to just dish out humorous lines here and there. Um, and um, I, I think that uh, it's going to come together really well. I'm pretty happy with everything we've got going so far. You mentioned a yeah. longer version of the script. Did you originally write it as a as a feature? I, I originally wrote it as kind of like a, a let's say like a one act, a little bit longer version of what we're shooting now, and just to make it realistic to fit into the anthology format, I kind of knocked it down from about like twenty twenty five pages down to about fifteen sixteen. It's got to fit. It's got to fit into yeah. what we're working on, and then I do have a a longer version that, you know, hopefully someday yeah. we can get that made into a feature, you know? So had you two worked together before? Uh, no, have not. No, this is our first time working together. Yeah. So how Just, did that come you know, uh, Brought together by uh, Jennifer Nangle, who also portrays uh, Malvolia, Queen of Screams, Queen of the Night. Uh, she's probably the biggest go-getter of anybody i've met in independent horror in terms of like she can just magically pull projects together in terms of like locations budgets gofundmes she knows a uh, great crew actors um special effects artists um and so she had posted online that she was looking for stories earlier this year for the anthology and that's where i pitched uh, the holly hatchet and she loved it right away uh, Richard yeah. mentioned you. Oh, sorry, go, go ahead. Oh no, no, I was I was just gonna say, yeah, Jen, I've known I've known for like six years now, and so like um, I was I was there when like the culmination of like Malvolia, like when she had originally sent the script over, like the concept for like, hey, I have this idea for doing like you know, like a, a horror hostess, and I just need you know I need someone to shoot it. So I was yeah, so I've been there. I've been with, I've been there with Jen for a bit, so like whenever she calls me up, I always try and you know do whatever I can, because yeah, she is she's a hard worker, she uh, she knows what she wants, and she's also she's a great collaborator. Like she's always open to like you know ideas as long as they're good. You know, like if there's any bad <laughs> ideas, Jen will Jen will be like, uh, I don't know about that, but like you know, you don't Jen, know if they're good Jen, or bad until you hear them first. So. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> she's very accommodating, and she's a yeah, she's a it, it's great to to work with with her because she's she's she loves collaboration yeah when you said about like different kinds of vampires so uh holly hatchet will have like several different types of vampires in, in the short it's mostly it's mostly just for me visually mm -hmm. um it's not that there's different types it's uh it's um uh, it's more it's more just that i should have been a little more clear with that like in my head like when i'm building like the visual foundation of like a project as like a dp in this case also a director i i like to like i i mentioned earlier i like to attach um my own type of like in my head and my subconscious what it is that frightened me about vampire movies 
So it's like when I'm, bi- I'm building like a visual foundation of, uh, of, of the story as like a cinematographer. I want to like incorporate those things. And in this case, it's kind of like more of like a, the style and the look is kind of what's going to lead you into the scene. And that's what's going to help like immerse it just more. It's more for me. It's just like the world building minute. So, uh, Eric, when he told you like his ideas for the vampire, like, uh, was that, how did you, how do you, how did you envision the vampires looking when you're writing it? Um, I kind of envisioned them basically just looking a, a little bit, um, basically like people, but also, um, I know we're going to do some prosthetics, you know, the fake teeth, mm-hmm. everything like that. So, um, I'm kind of just trusting also in, uh, the wonderful, uh, Julia Hapney, who's our special effects oh, makeup yeah. artist. She's great too. Um, Some guests on the show. Yeah. 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 Julia yeah. Hapney is amazing. Um, I'm, I've known her for a while too. So I know that anything she does is, is gonna, it's gonna blow us all away. And that's just kind of like speaking to what Richard was saying about collaboration. It's just, I can have something in my mind on paper, but we've also got to make a movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like, we've got to realistically what we can do, how we can do it and um, to pull it off, to make it look realistic and fun too for the film. Um, you just have to go with it and trust the people you're working with. And I think, um, I think it's going to be pretty special. I'm pretty happy. Well, when Richard mentioned that, uh, that Jennifer is, um, she has a lot of, uh, she's open to like uh, ideas um, I, I would assume that you, when you're writing something, you have to be that way too, because oh, yeah. if you're too like dedicated to it and then someone else is directing and stuff, you know, you're going to butt heads a lot. Oh yeah. One of the conversations I had with her and I've had with other collaborators too, which is um, it doesn't matter so much at a certain point, it, it has to go from being, you know, my story to your movie. <laughs> like I have to, to, to give up, uh, the ghost, so to speak, and just kind of say like, okay, well, how do we make this work? How can we make this from like the page come? Because there's going to be things, and Richard will probably agree with me too on this. There's going to be things that come up on the day that you're filming and you're going like, oh, well, with the location we have and and this and that and the props, we got to work on a go around. We got to figure out something to make this work because uh, something you write on the page doesn't necessarily translate exactly to film. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. And like most of, most of like filmmaking and especially within the independent world is like when you get there and you're like, you know, rehearsing, you're going through things a lot of times too, it's like the actors, you know, they'll go through the material and they'll be like, Hey, um, I feel like in this moment, like maybe this isn't something I would say, or maybe this, you know, I would react this way. So it's kind of about like, you know, that's where like the collaboration thing comes in, especially within, you know, indie filmmaking. Um, it's mostly where like your actors are going to help, you know, the, the writer does one thing, which is build you your world, right? You build you the world to play in. The director comes in and just kind of helps facilitate all that and get all the pieces together to make everyone comfortable enough to play. And, and that's what, you know, with what we just shot, the, you know, the intro that we shot for Holly Hatchet, um, that's what it was. It's like when we got there, we rehearsed for like an hour, just going over everything, getting on everyone comfortable with like their motivation, like why their characters are the way they are, why they're making their decisions. So it's like, it becomes a whole different world at that point too, because you start to realize like, you know, oh, well, my character would, 
you know, react this way or my character would do this. And, and it's also doing it, you know, in a way that's still respectful of like, you know, the gospel we've been given, which is, you know, the, the story. Yeah. Is there any connection between the, the stories and the anth- and body count? I believe that the Malvolia character is the connecting thread and just rap. like mm-hmm. her going through the story and either being detained or stopped or, um, her telling the stories of the each individual anthology to characters in the story that she's interacting with. Yeah. I believe that's, yeah, that's, that's the case with all of them. You're right. Yeah. Cause sometimes you see anthology, especially the last like 10 years or so. And they're really like a bunch of shorts that were already existed and they kind of put them together which I'm not saying that's good or bad, but uh, I do like, I'm not saying they have to be like a continuing story, but there is something about if there's some type of that they kind of share, like there's something about them where they are connected. Like a bookend or a wraparound. Like yeah. I'm, a, mm-hmm. I'm a fan of like the old creep show. Yeah. Actually oh, yeah. right here is the first VHS tape. My mom ever bought me is a creep show. Oh, cool. Oh, nice. Right now. But yeah. yeah I, I like that kind of where a character or two at the beginning is, either telling part of the story or, or they're going into or out of one of the anthologies. And at the end, there's this big like reveal yeah. or something. And you're yeah. like, ah, <laughs> I'm glad I, that, I like that too. Yeah. I'm That's glad anthologies have become popular again. Cause I love creep show and like the original uh, tales from the crypt. And, oh uh, yeah. Tales from the crypt. Yeah. There was even a yeah. was there was it a movie called Tales from the Dark Side? Yeah, yeah. Before oh, the show Tales or after the Dark the show. Side. Is that the one with uh, where Steve Buscemi had the mummy? Yeah, I always I think it's great. one of the best looking mummies in movies. Yeah, that was a that was a badass. Yeah, it's really creepy looking. Dude, one of my favorite Tales from the Dark Side um, episodes, or like within the anthology, is with James Ramar and uh, Ray Don Chong, and and um, James Ramar is like an artist and he meets like one night he meets like a gargoyle or something. And, and the, and the gargoyle says like, Oh, you know, I'll give you whatever you want, like fame and everything. If you just, you don't mention me or you don't talk about, you know, meeting me or our, our thing. And, uh, and that's like, to this day, that's one of my favorite, like love stories slash, like, just like, I love, I love the way that, that kind of like that whole story plays out. Yeah. That's one of my favorite episodes in that in, in that uh, anthology. Yeah, I'm glad you guys brought that up because I think that's a really underrated uh, anthology. Yeah, it's I a good agree. One. Yeah. You don't really hear about it too much. Yeah, know? and we were talking beforehand about well, like um, vampires being scary again, and uh, like a lot of modern mummies that don't even look like mummies. So it was cool that it's like an old school, mm-hmm. you know, mummy that's he's slow and he's creeping. He looks like he's all. Uh, you know, emaciated and and dry and yeah, know, sexy. It's like the vampire. I mean, sexy mummy flying. It's, <laughs> it's like the. It, that's why I love Monster Squad so much. Yeah, because like they're all like the old school monsters. You know, the vampire looks like Dracula. The Wolfman is like the you know the Wolfman standing on two legs still. You know, still half man, half wolf. The mummy is like decrepit and you know like you yeah. like that. The mummy to me was like the least intimidating thing about that movie. Like that whole yeah, scene, like how they just kind of, yeah, <laughs> he moves so slow and, and, and so like, yeah, that's, I, yeah, I love that. I love that things are starting to come back and be like scary and not just like the glittery romantic vampire. Like I love like a good brutal vampire. Like, and you can have the best of both worlds, like lost boys, right? Yeah. Lost boys was like, you know, like a bunch of like good looking 
you know, a good looking people together that also like when it came down to it, they were brutal killers. <laughs> you know, So it's like, I love, I love, I think you can have, you know, you can have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. yeah and you have a yeah. great saxophone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. You know, you, when I, I think, uh, I've, I've, uh, I've made it a point that like in every movie that I, I write and that I do like, that I'm going to be directing. I, I have to have a sexy shirtless, you know, saxophone player. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I have to, I think it's, I think it's a must I'm all now. Bored, yeah. And he, he's a great guy for, uh, the name is Casey at the moment, but he's a really cool guy. And he really has fun, fun with that. If you've seen the conventions, he'll, he'll, he's shirtless with a saxophone. <laughs> yeah. It's like Capoeira or something like that. I can't remember his name, but he, uh, he was Tina Turner's saxophone yeah. player. Yeah, I have an interview with him, and I had him on thinking it would just be fun. We talk about the song, but it's like a two-hour interview, and it's about his whole career. And uh, just he's a really interesting guy. Yeah, no, totally. He seems he seems like he's he loves he loves playing the sax. You know, yeah, <laughs> very cool. I uh, I for one, I was gonna kind of talk about what you were mentioning just a minute ago, but I when it comes to a lot of these. Um, monster flicks i am really glad that we're kind of getting away from the actual monster themselves being all cgi yeah yeah. i know that for a while it was like look what we can do but just because you can doesn't do it doesn't mean you should do it um and the the reboot of the mummy the one with tom cruise like the mummy in that was pretty good they got away from the one from like 20 years ago where it was just like Run away from the blue screen monster, you know. <laughs> and boy, when oh, you yeah. visit uh, those CG movies from like twenty years ago, boy, do they look bad now. Oh yeah, they I was do. just watching yeah. like just I don't know if I was drunk or something, but I was watching Van Helsing, <laughs> and I was like, I really feel like I'm watching a video game. Like this movie should have been like with the actors involved. I mean, this should have been such a better movie. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I, it was literally just run away from the blue screen monster. <laughs> I, you know what, you're, you're right. Like, I feel like CGI was it, that was like when it was starting to like, like be big in like the blockbuster movie. And, and I feel, I feel like, yeah, it was very subpar back then. And now even, but even now though, I still like, I feel like everything just looks too clean, Mm -hmm. you know, like in a world where everything is now shot on a green screen stage, everything just looks too clean. It's kind of like the only real beef I had with like the new Hobbit movies is like, and I'm sorry, I know that's not horror, but you know, there's horror elements, (laughs) but, but I feel like, I feel like, I feel like it's like that. Like, you know, when you, when you start trying to like creep into a realm where you're trying to make everything look perfect or everything look like incredibly like detailed, that's when it starts to me. Like, you know, that takes away like the romance of it all, you know, cause like, that's why film is so, it's so like, is so endearing is because as film ages, the movie gets better. It's kind of like records, right? It's like vinyl. Right. And, and so like, um, I mean, there are a lot of great like digital cameras out there and there's a lot of like looks you can still get, but I do feel like there is something about, you know, about like a medium aging, you know, with time. I think especially yeah. with uh, horror movies. Cause like, um, I went to see a uh, Texas chainsaw massacre and 35 millimeter and like it was a pretty bad uh, uh, cut, you know. Uh, the film was degraded, but it it added to that movie. And at the same yeah. theater, I saw it when they restored it, and like it looked 
pristine, but it, it actually took away from the movie, I thought. Like, it looked better mm -hmm. when you couldn't really see it as well. More, it looks like documentary footage, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like old, like, Super 8 footage. But um, one example of uh, a similar story, you were talking about, um, Richard was talking about um, clean versus, <laughs> and this is not a horror reference, but how bad is it that it's, like, the best, the most realistic, uh, you know, earthy version of the King Arthur story is Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where they're just <laughs> covered head to toe in crap and straw and mud. And then you see something like uh, that Sean Connery movie, First Night, yeah. where I'm like, oh, yeah. they literally <laughs> look like they just walked out of the prop shop onto the set and like the metal is <laughs> gleaming with reflections from the sun. Like no, they just put on the costumes and it's like, come on, man. Everything <laughs> like, is, the yeah. They're, they're in the comedy, you know? Their teeth are perfect. Oh, you yeah. know, like it's like they're they already discovered. <laughs> yeah, they discovered Colgate and Videl Sassoon already. You know, that's like where that it, classic line comes from Holy Grail, which is, um, um, he's the king. Well, how do you know? He's the one who doesn't have shit all over him. <laughs> yeah, and that still holds true. It's like, it's so sad that, you know, however old that movie is, you know, 45 years plus, that we haven't gotten back to a version of that story where it, it looks that real, that earthy. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. come on, man. I mean, it's like, what's what I love about horror films? And I'm a huge fan of um, atmospheric stuff in mm -hmm. horror films. And I think I talked about this on my interview with Trista that, like, Robert Edgers, that's a guy that's just oh, yeah. crushing it. Like, when you watch Dude. The Witch, you feel like you're there. Like, you feel like mm -hmm. when that family gets ostracized from the village and they have to go live out in the forest, like, they're legitimately fucked. Like, oh, yeah. They're going to give it their best shot, but if the supernatural stuff doesn't get them, the elements will, because, like, you, they're really, really there, you know? And same with The Lighthouse. That's, like, a great H.P. Lovecraft twist on that story. And I don't, have you guys seen The Northman? Yeah, I love oh, that. dude. I saw it a couple the, twice in the theater what, what was playing. Man, talk about the real. <laughs> the Northman's in – the Northman is, is like – in, in my top five movies of this year. I agree. Like, I, I love the North. I love Eggers in general. Like, you can, like, everyone can say as much as they want that, like, you know, that it's, uh, that everything is like, you know, he's like a ostentatious director. I'm like, but, you know, the good ones were, right? Like, you know, like, yeah, they have to tour, have, like, you know, yeah, you know, like, like, you know, you can say the same about Kubrick. You could say the same about Tarantino. You could say the same about a lot of, directors that are just very passionate about their style and oh, like and what it is they want world building like i don't know if this is yeah. true or not but i heard that he's contemplating doing a remake of nasferatu that's uh, the guy you want to do it that is that's the guy would, you want to yeah. who will actually go to a castle in germany and just wreck fools like they he would, would he be would, beautiful you know he, he will I make he, he will have all his actors go there and they will live there for months before you know and like, they'll all get dental work and they'll file down yep. their teeth. <laughs> they're like now guys nobody had perfect teeth back then so we right. need to we need to make sure we're we're 100 percent on this everybody but um their fingernails yeah i was gonna going back real quick um to the restoration stuff i had one thing i wanted to mention the, there's one restoration that i'm super happy with that they did 
um, which is the 4K restoration of Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Oh, okay. I haven't oh, seen that. I love the movie, but I haven't seen the restoration. The restoration of that one is actually very good. Like it doesn't look, it doesn't look like too like perfect. It doesn't look incredibly like digital. It looks like you could still, you still have the grain, you still have the grittiness of the movie in there, mm-hmm. but it just looks like now it's like, it's, uh, it's, it's now the quality of it can like, you can watch it on like your, your standard, like, you know, big screen TV and it'll be, it looks perfect on there. Yeah. It doesn't look too, too perfect. Yeah. Um, has anyone gotten to either of you gotten out to see the, uh, restoration, uh, uh, on the IMAX screening of Jaws? Yeah, I saw it. No, I, saw not 3D. Yet. I saw the 3d version. Oh man. How was that? It was awesome. It was, I, I was torn which one to see. And I was like, well, I've never seen it. I've seen it on the big screen, but obviously not IMAX, but I was like, well, I've never seen the 3d version because they just made it. So I was like, I'll go see that. And it really was done really well. Like it, it made, there are some yeah. jumps in there. With the yeah. Yeah. Like even the stuff that I've jumped at a million times with the head and uh, you know, but in 3d, it looked great. Very cool. That's good. I've heard that a couple of times about the 3d conversion, which is dope. Like that's great to hear. I think the the last like thing I really enjoyed in 3d was avatar, <laughs> you know, like that was like the, the one thing the I can changer. say. Yeah. Yeah. Even that just, was like the even last simple stuff like on the beach, I think because it, there's so much depth there, like people out in the beach this way, everything looked really good in 3d. Awesome. That's great. Awesome. Shaw's was filmed. Not very far from me. I'm, I'm on Cape Cod. You're the, Oh, okay. Islands. Very cool. Yeah. Do they have um, conventions and things every year? They have one on, um, is, I forget. There's two islands here in Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard. I can never remember which one it was filmed at. But yeah, every year they, they, I don't think they have the last couple of years because of COVID, but they would do it. And, um, you know, it's mostly like technical people who worked on the film, but, you know, that's cool. And again, that is a classic example of something we kind of touched on, maybe not completely, but it's uh, that age old um, problem with filmmakers with monsters, which is how much of the monster or the creature do you show? And that movie benefited so much by it breaking down so much that Spielberg had to think of ways to show the presence of the shark without the mechanical shark. Yeah. And to me, that's the one of the of that series that holds up the best. Oh yeah, yeah, it's the best. And the um, obviously the three the three main guys, they're you know they knock it out of the park. But when people always talk about wanting to remake that, I'm like. No. I'm not against remakes in general. They make too many, but it's like you, there's nothing you could do that's going to make it better. Like it's going to be well, all yeah, it's like shark, you're, gonna and you're not going to find three and... actors that are going to be better. So yeah, you're going to make a CGI shark or something. It's going it's going to be lame, you know. Because think about that scene where they have the what is it the pot roast on the chain and they throw it right, off right. the pier, and there's nothing oh, yeah. there. It's just you know, underwater. And then when it rips the part of the pier away and then the pier just turns around in your mind, you're just like, fuck, get out of the water. <laughs> and the guy yeah. is trying to scramble up the part of it that's hanging in the water. And then it just cheeses right onto the beach. Yeah. And there's yeah. no shark. There's no shark. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, yeah, low you budget. go on, sorry. Oh no, no, go for it. Go for it. I was going to say even like low budget, practical effects that don't necessarily look good have a charm to them where i think mm-hmm. like uh bad looking cg is just you know bad it's not even like fun it's just all oh, this doesn't look good 
Oh yeah, and I'm a yeah. <laughs> I'm a huge proponent and fan uh, of the school of like um, John Carpenter and Sam Raimi, where it's just like um, the first Evil Dead movie, and they didn't have a stage, oh, yeah. so they took like a what was it like a two by four and some bungee cords and just yeah. strapped the camera, and they just had a guy on each side, and we're like, Bruce, just run. We'll tell you when to stop. You know, and yeah. it looked so freaking cool to see the camera doing this and going through bushes and over the tops of rocks. And it's just like they made it work with what they had. Mm-hmm. It's it's true. That's that's like that. And that's like that's where you find like, you know, that's where you get your pioneers, you know, as in indie filmmaking, because you just have to be like creative. You have to you have to think outside of the box. And yeah, I I love um, I love Rainy and I I love. I love like what he did with um with evil. I think Evil Dead Two is probably like one of my favorite horror films, just because like you know that movie is like that's that's where that's what like patented that like smash zoom you know like to really like heighten the effect of certain things and moments. So yeah, I'm massive fan of Rainy. So I agree with you on that. Have you guys seen Drag Me to Hell? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, oh, yeah. It with yeah poor actress with the shot of the vial going right oh, into yeah, her yeah. mouth and she's oh, yeah. and just goes right into her. And you just <laughs> see the jet of just gushing crap. When people That's say you can't, when people say you can't make good PG thirteen horror, I always bring that up because it's PG thirteen. It's a really good movie. Oh yeah. It's yeah. true. It's true. What, what was it? Because like another really good um PG thirteen horror film for me was uh was Last Exorcism the um the the faux documentary i love for some reason i think that movie it's a slow burn Mm -hmm. but like it's it's so it's so well done like by the time you get to the end you're like well you know like once the dominoes start falling then it's like you know that's it it's a snowball effect right Mm -hmm. it just goes but i love i think that's like a really good pg-13 movie but drag me to hell is phenomenal because Whereas, like, you know, you would just have, like, a completely gory movie. That movie is just, like, a gross-out Yeah. It's got, like, and bile and... Fun factor. <laughs> yeah. and it's got an old-school, like, gypsy... Like, kind of talking about old-school vampires. And so it had just had, like, an old-school gypsy you would see from an old movie who's evil. And it was... It looked cool. You can know? have uh, yeah. gypsy curses and stuff. What was, like, the last really good werewolf movie you guys have seen? Mm. Oh, man. It's been a while, uh, right? There, to be honest, there. I mean, Ginger Snaps was a really good, you know, werewolf movie. That's probably quite a long time ago now, though, if I think about it. Yeah. Yeah, but to be honest, like even like the new Wolfman with Benicio del Toro, there was like cool concepts of it. Like the look of it was kind of cool, but nothing will ever like grab you like you know American Werewolf in London. That like you you can't get like a transformation scene. Yeah, like that that's anymore. a good. That's still the. Yeah, it's the best the transformation scene ever. And, um, and to this day, that wolf is the that werewolf is the one. Like when I think of a scary werewolf, that is the one that to this day still gets me. And the howl, like they manufactured something that is completely frightening. Right, with that werewolf. There, there is a movie that came out last year. I think it kind of got lost in the shuffle for COVID. I think it's on streaming now, called The Cursed. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. It takes place in like the like eighteen eighties, eighteen nineties in England on the border. Yeah, I think I saw this. Yeah, yeah, and it it's not quite just a werewolf. I right. think it's also it kind of reminds me of like the thing a little bit where the person is kind of absorbed mm-hmm. on the inside of it. 
So that was kind of cool, but that was one that just kind of came and went because yeah. of COVID. It didn't get like a release. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I had the director on. But yeah, I remember that being really good. And they had it had a real limited release. Mm-hmm. Um, at, I think it. I think I saw it at the theater, but it was like I go see everything when possible. But no, you know, I'm not a normal person. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I like Wolf Cop, but I mean, that's more comedy than, than <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like it's dude. Like I love, I do love a good, uh, a good wolf comedy, Teen Wolf. You know, oh, Teen yeah. Wolf too. Yeah. I'll, I'll get it. I'll get into that. Those, those are. Two, I love those movies. Both of them equally. I love Teen Wolf too as well. Well, it's just movie great because it's literally just a guy in a suit putting on hairy gloves. And, yeah, and then he's like singing That's songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing quite gets me like, uh, like watching um like watching uh watching them sing what was it like in the in the first one they sang i can't remember what they sang but the second one they sang do you love me (laughs) so it was like yeah yeah, it was like at a college right yeah they were at a college and instead of um they had jason bateman now he like he was like he played uh michael j fox also right yeah 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 team (laughs) two yeah yeah they played with it a But yeah, yeah, I like Dog back, Soldiers too, but again, that's 20 years. Dog Soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. Dog Soldiers, that's a good one. Yeah, it, yeah but see, like, we, we have to, like, reach back in order yeah. to try and find what our... Because like, it, it, it is, like, like, I think this year is the 20th anniversary, so it's not necessarily, like... I wonder if it's more of a thing where a lot of people, I mean, Neil Marshall's doing amazing stuff now. I mean, he did, like, so much stuff on Game of Thrones, so his career yeah. is just... Maybe he, I don't know. I, maybe it's just the cost of the doing the werewolf stuff, the actual, because there's always that money shot. Like we were talking about with American Werewolf from London, where it's just the one scene. Mm-hmm. And then later it's just cutting from him going like, uh, and then like the next scene, he's the wolf because it's like, you just can't do it over and over again. Or just a quick shot of a hand going like this because yeah. you, know, you can't do it for the whole movie or you couldn't back then. But now it's like, I don't know. And maybe that's why there aren't so many werewolf movies is because of the transformation stuff, you know? I I think with like, with like, see if you even think about though, like with American Werewolf in London, there was just the one transformation scene. Like that's all you had to show. And then the rest of it was like, you just, you know, all you had to do was throw a howl, like maybe a couple of bone cracks and then that's it. You know, like that, there was just the one transformation scene. And then after that, it was just them playing with that big, you know, you know, puppeteering that big, you know, yeah. werewolf. And you really barely so even I, see the werewolf in the movie. Yeah. That, that's what was so like the, the subway scene, oh. like where it just, you yeah. see it creeping, like it's mostly a POV, but then at the very end, as he's going up the escalator and you see it creep at the bottom, that's like one of the scariest things to me. And like, you didn't, so you didn't see a full werewolf until practically, I think it was like the theater. Like even in the transformation scene, they alluded to it, but you never saw like you saw bits and pieces, but you never saw like a full werewolf. So it's yeah. I think I think what they I think it is a money thing. It's definitely a money thing because you know those physical prosthetics cost you know cost money, and and building a a werewolf on CGI just cost you know hours with a you know a VFX artist. Because like for an example, the werewolves that they did do cgi for uh the underworld series were good looking but they were so obviously cgi it was like the first time you saw it in the first underworld it was like wow that's cool but that's again what we're talking about 20 years ago 
So to do that now, I mean, I think you almost have to, as a filmmaker, play in the shadows, like with mm-hmm. American Marvel from London, because the was the sequel, Paris. That's yeah. horrible. Oh, yeah, she it was like they didn't play with the shadows, and it was all you know, CGI werewolves running around in the daytime, you know? Around oh, my gosh. Summer. I don't know. <laughs> I just rewatched that. Oh, I just rewatched it because I was like, I knew it was bad because I I had seen it, but I was like, ah, but was it, was it like, was it like juvenile me thinking it was bad? Just like, well, it's, you know, no, it's just bad. Like we can all agree that movie is just (laughs) the wolf in it isn't even scary. The comedy misses the mark because like the first movie was hilarious. Oh yeah. You know? And, I love and the so friend. I, he's like, you just yeah. gotta kill yourself. He's one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he's he's uh, keeps the decomposing as the movie. <laughs> oh, I. That's such a good gag. I love that. I love the idea, like how, like you know, by the end of it, he's just a skeleton. Yeah, you know, it's so it's so good that that movie hits on so many levels. And then whereas, like Werewolf in Paris, just like misses every mark so hard. <laughs> yeah. it's so bad, dude. Uh, but that. again, that also begs the question too with franchises that are based around a creature like Alien, which is the further you get away from the first two Alien movies, the more of a suck fest that it becomes. Because <laughs> oh it's, yeah, you, you know, and I've 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 made this comment before where your creature is only ever going to be as scary as your actors' reactions will let it be. Mm-hmm. So you've got a great actress like Sigourney Weaver. You take her out and it's just people going like, no, guy in a suit, no. But it's like you have those dramatic scenes. We all think about, you know, the xenomorph head coming into the frame right by her face. And, you know, okay, the xenomorph is coming at my face. Oh, no. But you get somebody, an Academy Award, you know, level actor like her, freaking out mm-hmm. and losing your shit that's what makes it scary that's what sells it and it's like i don't know how farther down in the franchise you go but it's like uh i was talking the other day about um prey prey was amazing oh prey is so good but you know what when i first heard about it i was like oh god another predator movie what yeah. are they gonna do that hasn't been done and then i thought when i heard the premise i went Damn, Americans against these aliens with all this like how is that gonna work and then you see it and you're like okay I was way wrong this yeah, is I honestly crazy. think it's the best of the sequels uh, it, to me it's right behind the first one is the best yeah. predator movie I'm with you yeah I'll go like predator the first predator is you know Scott Arnold so, yeah yeah it's great. you know I, I love it and then and then yeah I'll go pray and then I, I have I have a soft place in my heart for part two <laughs> I don't know I, maybe it's Danny Glover but I, for some reason, I like I like part two, and that's I think I saw when I was a kid. I saw part two before I saw part one. Oh, so that's probably it. So that's usually that's kind of like I I would always like I end up like resting a little bit more with sequels than I do with like you know a lot of you know like a lot of initial films, and that's mostly because I I um I probably got like my video rental like membership card like right like right when a lot of <laughs> yeah. sequels are coming out. So right, yeah. yeah. So I tend to like sequels a little bit more, but yeah, Prey was phenomenal. That was such a good movie. Yeah, it's too bad that didn't get a theatrical release. Like, you know, you know, I think it's it because should've. the uh, the the Shane Black the the Predator. I think it because it just died to death at the box office, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then coming out of COVID, they were like, 
well, we're not we, we're not going to get as many people just wandering into the theater as we thought, and the last one didn't make a lot of money. Let's just hedge our bets and put it on Hulu. But I'm telling you, like, if they do a sequel to Prey, which all depends on the story, if you bring back the same director, maybe um, you you should put that in the theater. They should really think about that because so many people do, were yeah. just invested in just Prey, not even just the other predator movies but just prey by itself you know yeah, it has such a good word of mouth so, it really helped to uh, help the movie and i think people would go and support it at the theater i yeah they should not they should now field. <laughs> oh <laughs> no yeah forget the i know the director made 10 cloverfield lane that made prey but just they gotta leave cloverfield alone <laughs> That yeah, third one, yeah, like, like oh yeah, that was, you, uh, that was really I, the second one was good. Cloverfield Lane, where she got uh, after getting. Yeah, away I probably like it better than Cloverfield. Yeah, me too. And she got pulled in that bunker, and then she's stuck in a bunker with a serial killer. That's great yeah. for a horror movie. Wow. You can't do better than that. I love that. Yeah, and then what was it? The 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 paradox. spaceship one. What was that paradox? Oh <laughs> my gosh, I remember thinking like this movie looks good. You yeah. know, like they're. And didn't and I think plug that's it like, like at the JJ mystery box? That's yeah. why. I was like, yeah. why are they dumping this right after the Super Bowl on Netflix with no advertising? Or what? And then I watched it, I was like, this is why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is why. I, um, and that and that's like a lot of problems I have with like um a ton of movies these days. Like a lot of modern movies are like they they they're just resting upon the idea of like, oh, well you know, was it entertaining? Well, then that's okay. You know, because, like, I love a movie that's entertaining, but then I love an experience like an Eggers movie. Like, because those movies are entertaining on a different level because I feel like it's, you're, like, you're you're going through it with these characters. And I feel like a lot of people, like, a lot of movies these days are just resting on the idea that, like, well, it looks good. Uh, it looks like a movie. All right, well, let's just put it out. <laughs> you know, it's, and, yeah. and I think... That's where well, it, even like Jaws, it, it is a big blockbuster movie, but it's a genuinely good movie. It, oh, you know, yeah, I think yeah, a lot of the great. blockbusters are great. Just, yeah, yeah just um, let me, I was gonna say, uh, about the North, I, I, re- I just want to say real quick about the North and sorry before I forget, was uh, was um, and then we'll go to you, I'm sorry, was no uh, was I uh, I, I always loved um, sword and sorcery movies when I was a kid, and then like the last for the last. That several decades are all just campy and, and stupid. So it was nice to see like an actual adult one made again, kind of like Excalibur yeah. or the original Conan. Oh yeah, Northman is incredible. Nothing like having a guy jump off of a uh, fort wall that he's scaled himself, and then jump onto a guy from that ledge of the fort, and then hatchet him in the neck all in <laughs> one move. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I know so it's good. stunt work, but it's just yeah, like yeah. you're watching it going like, I just watched him literally climb up using the hatchets, get up there and then jump off and then just tackle a guy on a horse that's moving and then right in the neck all in like, what, two minutes? Yeah. 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 Holy Nothing shit, gets me like that anymore. That's Nothing gets story. me like a good revenge movie, you know, like a good, like a good, like hard edge revenge flick. Like in that movie, that's like that movie has all of my favorite things, which is like it's got it's got like some of the best like believable gore that you could see. It's got like an amazing it's got an amazing like front, you know, like your lead Skarsgård is just he does such a good job. And then too, like the like the incredible shape that that dude got into through like during a pandemic, like like that dude, like he 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 dedicated himself completely and fully 
to that to that role and that's why like that is like one of my top it's in my top five of this year for sure with like top gun <laughs> top gun was yeah. the, uh, i didn't think it would be what it was x like x blew me away x is like one of my like like it's it's not only like one of my favorite ty west movies like in general it's just like it, it's it's probably like it's in my top 10 of like horror films it was just so well done i love x and the Pearl comes out this week, and then they just announced they're doing a third one. He's yeah, doing the third yeah. one. I like the yeah. idea that it's going to flip around different times. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. but there's a shot in the, another shot in the Northman where um, to speak on what Richard was saying about revenge. And it's the first time we see um, the main character grown up, and it's that crane shot coming across the boat and going through. Oh the boat. yeah, and it's just and it, the, it, the shot ends on him with the oar going like this yeah. just like you see his face and i i remember being in the theater and just i don't know wherever i had my snack or whatever i'm just slowly sitting it down and like looking at his face and going like oh fuck <laughs> yeah. oh this is not gonna end well for wherever these boats are going those people they're so fucked because <laughs> oh, yeah. it's his face where he's just like <laughs> yeah it's like he, performance man it's like oh jesus those people are you're fucked. you're like either like oh man this guy this guy he's, he's got a he just has like an urge to like kill a lot of people or he has to take a massive shit either way <laughs> <laughs> either way maybe it's both because like maybe that's what's driving him you know even more i don't know but like he, yeah his the intensity <laughs> yeah he's like i gotta go i gotta i gotta take a shit first and then i gotta kill a bunch of people but first, they, I gotta uh, take shit. <laughs> bear or whatever that tribal <laughs> thing was. Um, yeah. But to, to speak about another franchise, which I hope they kind of ended well, and I hope they don't continue. Um, and and this is a, a different um, uh, idiom too, which is uh, uh, ghost stories, hauntings, which is the Conjuring. I thought those mm-hmm. were really good. Maybe the first two with James Wan were a little bit better, but yeah. that was a great series. I'm like, okay, pump the brakes. You've got three. You know, I think all the really gonna, if you do another one, you're really tempting fate, you know? Yeah, like I, I I think the I like the second one better than the first one even. Like I think the first one was um the first one's great, don't get me wrong, and it's still it's still pretty scary, but the second one just had that look, like the look of it was so good. And I, I for some reason there was just a lot more like um for me a lot more like horrifying images in it. Right. Um the third one, to be honest, like I, I saw it once and it was, it was, it's pretty forgettable. Like even right now in my head, as I'm trying to remember scenes from it, it's, I think that's like the cheesiest of them all is like the third one. Um, but I do agree that it is, it is a solid franchise though. I think those three movies, the Annabelle movies, I, I mean, I think oh, yeah. I, I remember, I remember thinking that the Annabelle creation, I think, was it the, like the, there was like a Annabelle, and then Annabelle Creation, which I think was like the the prequel one. I remember thinking that one was a little bit cooler. Um, That's got a lot of weird stuff in it, right? Like it's got a werewolf or something in it. It's got yeah, it's got yeah. some it's got some weird some weird shit in it. But it is those movies. Those movies to me are like you know they like you said. I agree. I agree that they did their job. Um, the series itself is like I feel like it is like you know you guys have have milked this cow as much as it can be milked and think it's time to, you know, let the cow rest. Well, because I, and to piggyback on what you said, I, I feel like if you don't have 
somebody on the level of a James Wan come back mm-hmm. to a fourth one, then I think after the third one, you're just going to have diminishing returns because he set the bar so high with those first two. It's true. And now that he's, you know, making Aquaman movies until the end of time, I don't think he's coming back. Yeah. He did do Malignant. Yeah. That was kind of like, that, that was, was like what cool. Sam. I really like it. It's totally weird. Yeah, the, that Malignant, was like one of the weirdest movies I saw in like a, like for like a mainstream film. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny. I think like every like every director when they go off and do like big movies, it's like Sam Raimi went off and did Spider Man. He lived with Spider Man for so long, and he's like, I just need to do like a yeah. a fucking gross out horror film, and that's where like Drag Me to Hell came in. So it's like, yeah, I, I see like James Wan. He was like, oh, you know, I, I can do the big budget stuff. He's like, I just need to do one that's that you know that's a little bit close to the best. And I agree. Yeah. With it. I think that a lot of directors feel like that too. That it's just like. Just, just to go and do something fun because yeah. mm-hmm. you know it, I kind of liken that to like Danny Elfman. You know he'll make soundtracks forever, but like he dropped a an album last year and showed up at Coachella and people were like, "Who's this guy? Who's this <laughs> guy with the red Danny hair Elfman. and all the tattoos playing guitar? Like is that somebody's grandpa? Like who is that?" Dude, Al- and Elfman's like Northman ripped right now too. So he just goes on oh, stage yeah? like shirtless. Oh, yeah, it's like insane. Like he's yeah. like seventy years old, and he comes on stage and he's like, "All right, I'm gonna play <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas now." And you're like, he, "You're like, oh <laughs> damn, dude, he's either gonna kill a bunch of people or have to take a shit or play an epic." Album. I know. Like when I first started seeing YouTube clips from the Coachella, I'm like, "Is this gonna be like an Alice Cooper thing where he just comes out and like?" There's like a guillotine and then, you know, people yeah. get shot and stabbed on stage because it was like, that was not what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, no, like Elfman's like, yeah, he definitely, I I, I love where he's at right now. But yeah, I, I, it, it is, I think it's important to like, you know, you go and you do the movies that are like, that get you your money, but then you go to the fun ones, you go back to it because those are the ones that, those are the ones that teach you things, you know? Um, those are the ones that like, it's kind of like what we're doing now. Like, you know, like working in the indie world, like I've worked, I've been in this business now for like six years and it's taught me so much like making, like, like being able to make a movie with like limited means is probably some of the best, you know, it's some of the best like tools you can have um, in the filmmaking world because it'll help you on the spot, come up with, you know, things that otherwise you wouldn't think of if you just had like millions of dollars thrown at, you, you know? Yeah. And, and that's why like, you know, making movies like Holly Hatcher, or like, you know, making the Malvolia, you know, Halloween specials and all that, like that, that to me is like, it is, it is rewarding in the sense that like they teach me so much. Um, and also working with like, you know, talented people like that's, I'm a, I'm a, I love collaborate, collaborating and like working with like talented people and like being able to like, like get that energy and like use it and like project it out there and like, and, and create like a, a happy set, like a set that is just rewarding. Like that's, that to me is like, that's what makes it so much fun to make movies. It's like, is not only like the material, but also just the people and, you know, the, you know, the, the attitude it's, yeah. And to uh, add on to what you were saying, Richard, um, uh, I worked on a film about 15, 20 years ago called Resurrection Mary outside of Detroit. And one of the things I uh, really 
liked uh, both the producer and the director told me at different times, you know, they don't like hearing the phrase like, I can't, or we can't, or there's no way. Because even though, you know, I was in my 20s then, and they were in their 40s, you know, making a film, they said, yeah, but when we started and we were actors and PAs on movies, you know, in the 80s, we said, we can't, we don't know, there's no way, but you know what, there's always a way to get around things, because I, I kind of roll my eyes on a lot of um, people coming out of, like, film schools and colleges now that say, like, I can't, there's no way, and I think, you know, you just hold up an iPhone, and you go, do you have any idea like what you can do with this thing that wasn't even possible 10 years ago? Like there are shorts and in some cases, even feature films being made with iPhones are not something that much better that, you know, it wasn't even possible 10 years ago. I think there's just a, there's a lot of this thing where like, and I hate this expression too. And you guys have probably heard it, which is, eh, we'll just fix it in post. Uh, <laughs> the famous last words. You know, that, like, whenever you say that, like, you find out really quickly, like, like it's it's going to be more expensive if you have to try and fix it in post. You might as well try and figure it out and then leave that be, like, the, the, the last option, like, the very last avenue that you'll have to go down. But, yeah, I, yeah, the fix it in post. Uh, it might very be, few uh, people can get away with that, and usually their, their names are George Lucas <laughs> and only George Lucas. Right. when he was yeah. still making movies and even then i was like i don't think that it turned out as well as we thought it would <laughs> which I, I think that you know letting ilm just fix your movie <laughs> yeah doesn't always work man yeah it might be too early but do you know um what the plans are for body count once it's finished like is it gonna you know streaming festivals physical release um, I think Jen has talked about festivals. I know that they probably mm-hmm. will be some streaming involved, but I think that I, I'll ask Richard. I think this is only the second of the four um, and anthology stories to be filmed, right? I think there's yeah. still two more after this one, so they're still going to be working on this late into the year. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think I mean, with the idea like is is like we would love to get this thing out there like on physical media and all that. Um, but yeah, like really like when it comes to like these, like, you know, micro budget films, I think you, it finds its momentum in like in festivals because like you can go out there, you can, you know, talk to fans directly, like people that actually love like horror films and, and, um, especially these kind of horror films, which are like, they fall into like, uh, like little like niches, you know, like, so like, I think it's, it is good to like get especially a movie like this out there into a festival. So this way you can meet people that are like, like-minded individuals that are either like filmmakers that are trying to like, you know, get out there and make their own movies or, you know, just like massive horror fans. So yeah, I think, I think Jen's idea is to do that and, you know, hopefully we get some, you know, distribution for it and it gets out there. And cause I, I love physical media and I would totally buy a copy of this, not just because I'm directing right, right, right. a part of it, but also <laughs> to support, you know, fellow, you know, people that are trying to get out there and, you know, make stuff. Yeah. That was one of the main things I missed uh, during the pandemic were the festivals. Uh, mm-hmm. like everything you said, you know, going to see the movie, meeting like-minded uh, people who all love the genre and then talk about the movies after. And it's just a great time. So I got, I was at my first one since the pandemic just recently is a uh, fright fest. It was a very exciting time. 
How, how cool, was man. that? Was it kind of like a beehive where people just so happy to just be? Yeah, it was. Talking about I was there stuff? in 2000. Um, I forget 2017 or 18. And uh, as press, and it's a huge place. And this time I was there with with a movie. So it was a very different experience. It was very exciting. But that one's huge. There's something to be said about a little smaller festival because I think everyone watches everything on the same screen. And I, I kind of like that. But this is a like multiple screen, multiple theater festival. And like you said, everyone was really excited to just be out. And uh, not only a festival, you know, the after parties, just, you know, being out again with people and talking about the movies. It was, yeah, you could definitely feel that. And then you, um, you know, during the pandemic, you realize how much you miss this stuff and then you can, uh, you know, you don't want to take it for granted. Yeah, that's very true, man. I, um, I went to my first, I went to a film festival on Saturday to, um, to support, uh, there was a movie I DP'd like right when the pandemic hit, it's called a drift. It's a short. And then there was another short that I helped light. So I, I went to my first festival on Saturday and that was, yeah, it's just like you miss the you miss the atmosphere of creatives, you know, people like minded people that are just you know same same as as we're all trying to do, just get our content out there, get our our visions, you know. It was nice. Yeah. So, uh, what are you guys? Uh, are you guys working together on anything after this? I don't know about together. I I have something coming up, but I'll let Richard go ahead and take it if he's got something he's got coming up here. Well, we can we can always in the world of independent filmmaking we can always work together. We could do that. <laughs> we can we can we can do that. But um but yeah, I have um so my my other job that I do besides like, you know, directing and, and DPing is I um I light um so I'll do gaffing or like, you know, electrician work. So I have I'm gonna be working on a feature with a fellow um independent filmmaker, Alex Wong. I'm going to be working with him on October uh, on a, it's like an action thriller. So I'm going to be working on that and uh, working alongside my good friend, Deep, um, who's a director of photography, Adam Beck. He's, he's such a good, I love working with that guy. So I'm going to, I'm going to be helping him light some stuff, which is, is always fun to me crafting that world in a different way. That's lighting is so important. And it, it's also something that I feel like a lot of, movies don't do these days it's just like you know it's just everything is just dark you know if it's a horror film oh it's dark you know it, it, that's but, something i think it can add a lot of production value to a movie makes it look like you know it's a it's a bigger production if it's well lit yeah they can call oh, it lighting <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah no we uh no i i like stylized lighting you know like it, i mean there there's always a time and a place for if you need to make something look dark you know like you know that's cool but you know, not all the time. Like you need, you need some good stylized stuff. Like, you know, all the, all the great horror films of the past had some sort of stylized lighting. It wasn't all just dark, you know, everything Mm -hmm. looked good and had its own look to it. its own feel. So, but yeah, that's what I'm working on next. I'm going to be working on the feature. And then I have like, um, I have a couple of scripts that I'm writing right now, a couple of shorts that I want to do because I also want to get some movies out into festival circuit. So yeah. Awesome. Um, for me, for me, I'm working with a uh, production company in Arizona called Morehouse Films, getting ready to uh, work on a short film that I wrote called "The Phone at the Door," and that's going to be directed by Joshua Schultz and in collaboration with his amazing wife uh, Sarah Schultz. So, 
that's kind of already been written and they're just like really, really early pre-production on that. So hopefully by the end of the year, that'll be getting filmed out there in Arizona. So I'm excited about that. That's the next thing for me. Yeah. And you also have a podcast. Yeah, I do have a podcast. Uh, so if anybody's watching, please watch Make Your Own Fun. And we uh, we have a comedy segment and we also do interviews and we do funny little skits and stuff too. So we just started that a year and a half ago and it's really been picking up steam in the last six months. We're really happy with it. I heard the treacherous one was just on there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, treacherous. Tresta. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was great. She was great. She praised your show very highly. She said, I guess uh, just about two years she's been on the show with you guys. Yeah. I think it was two years the other summer. So yeah. Just uh, probably about a month ago. It was two years. Very cool. Very cool. She's so super positive and supportive of everybody and yeah. all their projects. You know, she's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trist is great. She was, she's great to work with. Yeah. I really like her, her, uh, like her attitude. She's awesome. Yeah. And, and she's, she's a huge thank you for suggesting so. you guys to come on the show and setting this up. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> we'll have to reach out and thank her for that. Yeah. Uh, for and, sure. where, and where can people follow you guys to see what you're up to? Like not back to your home. So. <laughs> Unless you yeah, you're into that. a different movie altogether. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, please put my address right here. <laughs> um, not nah. right here, right now. Huh? Yeah, please come, come here. Dial your Uber into here to this pinpoint. <laughs> no, nah. good, Eric. You've you've been um, so great. Well, just uh, I'm make your own fun is on YouTube, and you can also uh, find me on uh, Facebook right now. No website just yet. I'm gonna be working on that soon, though. Yeah, you same like you could find me on uh, you could find me on Instagram um, and Facebook. All of the stuff, just Richard Trejo. Great. Well, this is very good to talk with you guys. I'm sure we'll do it again sometime. Thank you so much, Neil. This has been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. All right. Bye. Bye. Oh, by the way, for Let's new see. movies, I would suggest uh, Barbarian. Oh, I want to see that. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah, I got to check that out. I heard it's good. <laughs> it's a really wild movie to be to be at uh, in the theaters. But, I, but go in blind. Don't don't. Yeah, I'm not going to watch any trailer. Yeah.